0: have fun on the journey he created clear metal after going into an internship in Hong Kong realizing there was massive opportunity in this space uh, really helps logistics tracking you know currently they're focused in essentially one sector they want to go m- closer kind of last mile delivered right and dive into that in terms of headspace and growing additional revenue channels they're very much a high high touch play with contract values in the six to seven figure range next goal call it maybe 10 million somewhere in that range they can go out continue raising capital to really go in and dive deeper into this market specifically spending a lot of that money on With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello everyone, my guest today is Adam Compain. He is the founder and CEO of a company called Clear Metal. We'll dive in today. Adam, are you ready to take us to the top? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so you're kind of in the predictive logistics space. Tell us what Clear Metal does and how you make money.
1: Sure. So the challenge we're we're solving is that retailers and manufacturers around the world are trying to understand where their shipments, their freight is as it moves across the world in ships, trucks, trains, etc. What we help them do is understand exactly where their stuff is as it's going from factory all the way to retail store or their distribution centers so that they can get products on the shelf on time for consumers around the world. Um, We have a software as a service platform that we clean and make sense of supply chain data and then make mm-hmm. that visibility of inventory and transit really, really strong for these retailers and manufacturers. And, and give me a general
0: sense of kind of how you do pricing on that.
1: Yeah, sure. So a typical SaaS model, we have a flat fee for a for the actual platform itself. And then there's a fee based on how much volume of shipments the company actually moves.
0: Okay. and And can you kind of give me an example of somebody using you and what kind of volume they might move with you? Yes, sure. Uh, so, if
1: you, you could think of any sort of large retailer, right? So, someone that makes shoes, shirts, or even chemical materials and ships it around the world. They're moving anywhere from 20,000 shipping containers to 200,000 shipping containers a year. So, you can um, think that- of like
0: Adidas or Nike, any of these foot- shoe brands? Exactly. That'd be a great example. Okay. Her. Okay, got it. And are they tracking the raw materials or are they tracking the finished goods? So, we can do either.
1: So, if it's someone like Nike, it's shoes and shirts inside a shipping container moving across the world. If it's someone like a uh, large chemical company that's sourcing material and shipping it to Nike's factory, we got them covered as well.
0: Interesting. Okay. Give me a sense of the flat fee. I'm sure you have different cohorts, but on average, what is someone paying on just the flat fee side of things?
1: Sure. So this could be anywhere from, call it $10 per container. Um, and then, you know, discounts for volume. That's That's typically what we're looking at.
0: Okay. If we go though away from a per container and I just get it like kind of per customer you're working with, I mean, are people paying on average a grand a month, a million a month, 10 grand a month? Where is it usually? Uh, gotcha.
1: So yeah, this is anywhere from uh, call it low to mid six figures a year okay. up to the seven, seven figure mark.
0: Okay. Got it. So you're very much kind of playing in the enterprise sales space, probably have an inside sales team. To, totally enterprise sales software. Right. Okay. So give me more of the back. And by the way, low six figure, So we'll call it like between 100 and 500. Then you have bigger ones. I imagine that might be anomalies in the seven, you know, seven figure range. Perfect. Yep. Okay. Give me more of the backstory here. When did you launch the company? Sure. So
1: this was in 2014. Uh, my personal background is from Google, spent a whole number of years there and then was at uh, business school at Stanford and decided to go work in Hong Kong at a container shipping company which came after a very, very odd, I know. I was gonna say, uh, hey, come on, that doesn't, you don't just (laughs) fall into that, that was intentional. Exactly, you know, when my first word was truck, (laughs) I've always been been enamored by big industrial things and wondered how things moved around the world. So I uh, asked to go work uh, in the shipping industry and got invited over to Hong Kong to work at the 10th largest shipping company in the world uh, to see how they moved freight for retailers.
0: And that was from what year to what year? So that was actually in the summer of uh, 2014. Okay. And then did you launch the company right after that? Exactly. Yes. What did you, how did you identify this as an opportunity while you were interning there? What did you see that said, I can make this a big business?
1: Yeah. So what I saw was really uh, the industry logistics that had spent about 30 years solving problems through physical economies of scale and manual operations. When I looked forward into the future of supply chain, I felt like the future is going to be about data intelligence, not physical scale. And so the whole premise of the company, even the name of it, Clear Metal, was around this idea that it's not about the metal assets or even the inventory, but seeing through that metal, clear metal, and understanding the data underneath. And if you could master what the data says and how things move around the world, then you could intelligently allocate assets, optimize inventory position and things like that.
0: That's the genesis of the name. Exactly. Clear okay. metal, see through the metal, pay attention to the data. I, I like it. All right. 2014 was launch date. What have we scaled to today in terms of total customers on the platform?
1: Yes, I wouldn't mention uh, the customer count, but we've got um, all four continents covered, customers in Asia, Europe, uh, North and South America, and everything from uh, retail, right? Products that you and I would buy to some of the most kind of hardcore materials uh, that's supplying some of the biggest companies.
0: In the yeah, world. I just want to get a general sense if you're kind of a high volume or a high touch kind of play, right? So, I mean, are we talking like less than 100 enterprise customers or you're talking like thousands of middle market, you know? Yeah, thanks. So less than 100 customers. Got it. Uh, and because it's high price,
1: uh, big enterprise sales to some of the largest companies in the world.
0: Yep. Walk me through what your team looks like. And I'm specifically interested in how you've scaled your sales operation to go land those kinds of accounts. Yeah, sure. So I started the company with two others uh, out of Stanford, both on the technical side, uh,
1: masters in AI. Um, And we've designed the team to be pretty evenly split between top AI and, and data science folks from Silicon Valley and elsewhere with Supply chain, you know, veterans and experts in the space. Um, so the team kind of looks like both halves of that brain, um, and we took we look like a typical enterprise kind of sales company. So um, a lot of product and development uh, resources in house, based here in the in uh-huh. San Francisco, and then the sales model is pretty again typical to enterprise sales, right? So we've got inside sales folks, um, executives running the account, uh, uh, the large accounts internationally. Um, and we kind of split by territory, if that's what you're asking. And what's the total team size? Ah, uh, so we've got about 30 people today. We're a, uh, uh, post series a company. Yeah. I was going to ask that. So 30
0: people, are you all in San Fran? Uh, almost all. We got some folks in New York and Chicago as well, but most based here. Okay. And I was, I was loving the story. I was going, I mean, I'm going to love them even more because we're bootstrap. but you're not, that's okay. I get it. How much have you raised total? So we've raised about uh, $13 total. And walk me through the thinking behind that. When did you say, okay, this is where we pour fuel on the fire, the economics make sense, let's go raise?
1: Yeah, good question. So we uh, we raised a $3 million seed from Innovation Endeavors, NEA, uh, and some others in the industry. This was fall of 2015. We had gone out of grad school bootstrapped for almost a year since incorporation. And what we had was about three uh, paid pilots with significant results showing our ability to uh, enhance the clarity of data and do predictions much more accurately. So we Mm -hmm. said, Hey, this is interesting. We've proved an impossible problem has now been solved. Let's see if we can commercialize it. So we raised 3 million in seed and then we started commercializing to the broader industry and about, uh, 12 to 18 months, about 18 months after that, uh, we were approached by both strategics and VCs who said, we see the supply chain is transforming. You guys are kind of the horse in the space. And let's use additional capital to accelerate not only a more product market fit, but broader commercialization. And ah, so, go ahead. yeah, so spring of uh, 2017, a little over a year ago, we raised uh, a little over 9 million. Uh,
0: a. Yeah, so 12 in total. Uh, how does this compare to like a Fredo's or, or some of these other companies in the kind of logistics and supply chain space? Yeah, great question. So we're not
1: in the brokerage business, right? A lot of these platforms or marketplaces or or brokers are connecting the retailer manufacturer with the carrier that's hauling that freight. We're not in that business. We're essentially the AI operating system, the analytics, the intelligence that the retailer manufacturer uses to understand as things are moving across the world and after I've procured that freight, where are my shipments, what's gonna happen to it, and when will it arrive so I can optimize inventory? (music) Thank <music> you.
0: As you guys know, the task management space and team communication market is extremely hot. We've had many of the folks in the space on, but most recently Asana raised about $50 million, giving it about a $1.5 billion valuation, up from 900 million bucks in its last round. So naturally, I'm gonna try out Asana and see why it's different from some of the other players and some things stand out immediately. First off, this thing essentially has replaced email and a few other forms of communication I used to launch Latka magazine. I was able to do it all inside of Asana, whether it's bringing in my developer who built the landing page for the magazine or my writers who write for the magazine or my designers who design the magazine and even the printers. They're all able to easily use Asana, which is rare. Usually, there's kind of a different tool for a different area of kind of specialty. So having everyone in one spot made the magazine very efficient. We're now shipping over 10,000 magazines per month out to B2B. SaaS CEOs could not have done it without Asana and the ability they've built for me to do all this work in one place. It doesn't surprise me why the valuation is 1.5 billion. The question is now is, do they decide to go public in 2019? We'll see. But in the meantime, give your team everything they need to be more productive and focus on the work that grows your business. Try Asana free for 30 days. You can get started now at nathanlatka.com forward slash Asana. That's nathanlatka.com forward slash A-S-A-N-A churn in this kind of business is obviously critical. Walk me through current churn and kind of how you think about managing that.
1: Yeah, good question. So we, you know, honestly, our, our customers are all signing up for three-year contracts without any outs. And so they see this as a long-term strategic play, not like a off-the-shelf software they want to buy, right? The companies that engage in with us are trying to transform the supply chain, reduce their inventory on their balance sheet, uh, compete with companies like Amazon from a logistics perspective. And so... They're picking us as their supplier of that kind of intelligence and data science. So, um, we haven't actually experienced high churn at all. And I think that's because the, the increase in impact we're making from the poor visibility they've had in this, in the past is so much beyond what, you know, they've been used to that they're generally satisfied.
0: Um, yeah, but if we try and quantify that, Adam, I mean, so I understand if you don't have any churn, that's great. These are long-term contracts. Are they paying the full three years all up front or is it paid you know, annually? How's the payment structure work? Yeah, typically we're doing annually up front. Annually up front. Okay. So in a case like that, w- when you're going and raising capital, like you don't have a cash gap problem because you have all the cash getting, as long as your payback is caught 12 months, you're good to go. So is most of the extra money going towards kind of engineering and people? It is. Okay. Yes. Okay. Got it. Um, walk me through expansion revenue, uh, kind of items, right? So if you want to have a high touch approach, ideally you get more and more wallet share because you provide more and more value. What are some of the pricing kind of axes that you'll be able to drive additional value on? Whether it's, I'm making this up number of containers, miles shipped, things tracked. What are those metrics?
1: Yeah. And and you're talking about headroom to grow into on a revenue perspective, right? Exactly. Yeah, so if you look at the space we're playing, you take overall supply chain, chop that down into just the transportation piece, and then you look at just the international or what's called the intermodal transportation, and that's where we're operating today. So you can think of this as the container that goes on the boat, but then also goes on a truck or train inland. That's one, one small piece. So our head head uh, room is actually moving into additional modes of transportation. We're talking overland domestic trucking, air freight. And then beyond that, our company is going more up and downstream in supply chain. So manufacturing, sourcing of raw material, warehousing and last mile distribution. So that's where our company is looking to grow because the overall vision is that
0: end to end supply chain visibility and AI operating system. Are you currently today as a reflection of your ability to expand these accounts at a net or we'll call it over 100 percent net revenue retention annually? And what, what do you mean by that? Uh, your, your expansion revenue from customers you already had more than outpaces lost revenue. Ah, um, I mean, are you are talking, are we profitable? No, not profitable. Just if one customer is paying you 200 grand in year one, you know, they're going to go to 250 in year two and 300 in year three. And that more than outpaces, you know, 20 or 30 grand of churn from other accounts. Ah, uh, gotcha. Like NCBI. Yeah. So we, I mean, we're early in,
1: in that perspective, but generally the path, the the pattern that we're seeing is yes, it looks like that's smooth and, and above board. When did you turn kind of on revenue? Is it fairly new? It's, yeah, it's fairly new. Um, we have a long history in the space with a ton of underlying tech applied to understanding these moves. Um, and then commercialization started a little bit more recently in our history. So yes.
0: So when, when was that like late 2017, 2018 early this year? Yep. Yeah, in 2017. 2017. Okay, got it. So you spent a good three or four years there, which is why I had to do a three million C, just building the underlying tech. Exactly. And, and
1: most of that, that development time was spent with the service providers in the space, the carriers, the port operators, the freight forwarders. We evolved the business over time, but all of that previous work and development is now uh, beneficial in how we're serving the retailers because we, better than anyone in the world, understand that kind of what I call service provider data. Right. The data about the company's moving freight.
0: Yeah. Have you uh, closed any of these seg- seven figure accounts so far? Are you just see a very direct path and are very bullish to getting to some of those accounts? Yeah. And are you talking annual or total TCB? How, that's all, I wanted to be all about you, however you manage it and you educate me how you manage it. Sure. Yeah. So we have, uh, we do have total, a con- uh, total contract value that is in the seven figures. Yes. That's great. So you have close those deals. Wonderful. So what's the, if you know, I don't want to push you too hard on actual specific revenue, but in terms yeah. of goals and growth, I mean, when do you think you pass kind of 10 million in ARR and then fifty million? what are those goals look like? Yeah. So yeah, hard, hard for me to talk about it specifically, but actually if
1: you look at our stage of company, it's quite appropriate, right? So we did a series a, about a year ago. And we would look to do a Series B uh, probably early to mid-2019. So we're, I think, nicely along that trajectory.
0: For people that are not in the Valley, they don't understand the correlation between a Series A, Series B, and what that means for revenue and what percentage of company are selling. Can you kind of share more of that color there? Yeah, sure. So I think it's great uh, to think about the benchmark.
1: Like Typically, in a fundraise, whenever you're going out to raise money, you'll raise from a, a venture capital institution anywhere between... Call it 18 and 30 percent of your company. That's what you're giving up. Um, From a revenue perspective, what they're looking for at the seed is hey, we've got some revenue. This thing looks like it could be a business. There's early product market fit. And at the series B, when you're raising something between an amount of, call it, you know, 15 to $40 million worth of capital coming in, you're looking at a business that has its unit economics figured out. We understand how, when you put an additional dollar in, what you know translates into revenue coming back and growth and it's a little bit predictable in how you can then expand
0: does that help? It does. And if I work that backwards, right, if you're going to give up 18 to 40% 30% of the company in any given round, you guys obviously recently did a $9 million round. So if we assume that was maybe call it 20% multiplied by five, you kind of back into valuation. Now, are you seeing valuations in the space that are significantly higher than other respective spaces? Or are you seeing kind of pretty average, call it four to kind of 8x?
1: Yeah, good question. You know, I think I think it's a little above average because what we're seeing is so much interest in the space uh, in supply chain and this transformation it's going through. And I think a lot of venture capitalists are looking at it, saying this is one of the largest industries in the world that's still untouched and ready to be di- ready to be disrupted. So if you look at uh, the valuations, there are companies out there like Flexport uh, and others in this space who have a lot of. Um, visibility to them, because they're, you know, raising huge rounds and creating a whole lot of value, which is fantastic.
0: So would you agree if your next kind of target was to go raise a call it a $20 million round selling call it 20% of the company, which would obviously pre money require valuation call it of 80 million bucks or something like that. And you're seeing above market valuations, let's say that's a 10x multiplier, you're saying you, you really think like you got to get to like eight or 9 million bucks in ARR to get into that kind of comfortable space. Would you generally agree with that? Yeah, I generally agree with those ranges, right? Very cool. All right, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book?
1: You're talking about me? Yeah, you. Ah, got it. Uh,
0: what, uh, measure What Matters. Okay, very good. That's a new one. Yeah. You like it, it Good. All right, number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Eric Schmidt, always. And number three, what's your favorite online tool for building your business? Ah, um, Asana. Number four, how many hours of sleep are you getting every night? Ah, this week about uh, five. <laughs> that was funny. Coming into this, you are going, Nathan. I am doing like a, I am flying. I am red eye. I hope I have energy. Okay, five is not horrible. And what's your situation? Married, single? Do you have kids? Uh, 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 well, single, but in a in a relationship. No kids. Okay, so not married yet, but in a relationship. No kiddos yet. And Adam, how old are you? I am thirty one. Thirty one. Last question. What do you wish your twenty year old self knew?
1: Um, to have fun getting here because I've had quite uh, quite a ride, and looking back, it's been awesome
0: guys, there you have it. Have fun on the journey. He created clear metal after going into an internship in Hong Kong, realizing there's massive opportunity in this space, uh, really helps logistics tracking, you know, currently they're focused in essentially one sector. They want to go m- closer, kind of last mile delivered, right. And dive into that in terms of a headspace and growing additional revenue channels. They're very much a high, high touch play with contract values in the six to seven figure range. Next goal call, it maybe 10 million somewhere in that range. They can go out, continue raising capital to really go in and dive deeper into this market, specifically spending a lot of that money on engineering headcount. Adam, thank you so much for taking us to the top.
1: Yeah, thanks.